All right, Russ, you're, you're going to have to bring the energy on this one. Yeah? You're not feeling it? I think uh, I think I may have eaten some undercooked chicken at lunch. <laughs> like, okay. had a chicken burrito, <laughs> and I was like, this, uh, this doesn't taste as charred, because usually it's like charred, you know, grilled. Yeah. It didn't taste as charred, uh, and there was a bone in it, which is always awesome. Where is this from? Uh, a local Mexican restaurant. Oh, okay. That's safer. Well, yeah. that's I don't safer is not the right word. That's it's the the highs are higher and yeah. the lows are lower. Yeah. And I think you might have gotten the lowest of the low if you yeah, ate undercooked chicken. It's it's like my go-to Mexican restaurant because it's like it's not super authentic, so it doesn't have a bunch of stuff in it that I don't like, but it's also not like Taco Bell. Yeah. It's that good happy medium for white people like me. I uh recently had a taco from a taco place that's a real mexican place and like a mexican dude got it and was like here do this and that's the way you need to eat food that you don't know about oh yeah is just let someone else pick it yeah because it was like an actual corn tortilla Mm -hmm. with pork and cilantro that was it like my tacos is hamburger ortega seasoning Mm -hmm. and tons of shredded cheese like that's the most americanized thing ever Definitely. Uh, and I would never consider ordering one with cilantro and yeah. pork, but it was great. There's a great taco place downtown, um, weirdly enough, called El Amish. That's bizarre. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's called El Amish, and uh, yeah, fantastic fucking tacos. Uh, we both grew up around Amish people. Did yes, you did. ever get involved in that at all? And here, here's what, I'll tell you what. Like go on rumspringer or something yeah exactly <laughs> no the the what i like my mom at one point started buying they called them birthday candles because they couldn't sell them as anything other than that but it was the ear candles where you stick them in your ear and burn them and it's supposed to be pulling the wax out mm-hmm. and it I like i remember that's, as amish, a, that's very new agey that's when i was like five it was amish people that were making them and selling them at oh. their little amish stores Probably because, you know, they knew all it was hot in, like, the woo-woo nonsense world. Yeah. And, like, hey, we got all this extra wax. But that's uh, that's about as deep as I ever got into the Amish. I mean, when I was in elementary school, uh, they're not allowed to do this anymore, but we were literally the first kids on and the last kids off. And so we had a two or two and a half hour bus ride every day. Holy Each shit. Each way. Yeah. So, yeah, and the back, they always took the back. The back half was always Amish. They were assigned to, it was, we lived in a segregated society when we were little. Well, yeah, it wasn't, it, it wasn't assigned, it was, it was self-segregation. I don't know about that. Oh, in, our, in ours it definitely was. I'm, I question that. Like, it definitely felt like institutionalized, like, yeah, the Amish were definitely in the back of the bus. L- that's not a joke. Literally, the Amish were in the back of the bus. Yeah, I think it's like Orthodox Jews. They just like, you're not an Orthodox Jew, I'm not going to hang out with you. Yeah. you. You might get on me. But then it was weird because there was 90% of them would go to the Amish school and there would be like a handful that would go to our school. Yeah. Like, how do you decide you're going to do that? As an Amish parent, mm-hmm. it's bizarre, right? Right. And then uh, we were always jealous because they only had to go to eighth grade. Yes. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. legally, because of religious reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, I was a little concerned about you when you came in because you were panting more than normal. Panting? Panting more than more than normal. I was a little worried about you. Hoping I'm not about to have my like Kevin Smith moment. Yeah, that would suck. <laughs> that would suck. Yeah. <laughs> well, this, no. This this podcast would not air. Well, I guess I would not allow it. Well, no. You you definitely would rather have a Kevin Smith moment instead of well, a yeah. Chris Farley moment or whatever. Sure. Yeah. In the scheme of things, there's worse things to have than a Kevin Smith moment. Uh, tomorrow's my last day at work, mm-hmm. which means tomorrow my insurance runs out. Ooh. And I need to figure out my insurance for the next job. You have like 90 days or pr- probably before you can get uh, on I that? can do it now. I just like the paperwork was really confusing because it looked like the cheapest option was the best option. And I was wary of that. So, uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have my mom look at it. I to send those <laughs> to her. I love that. Yeah. You're in your mid thirties and you're like, mom, please yeah. fill out my paperwork. I, I I do her IT work. She can do my fucking. What I automatically I don't hire people when they when they have their parents fill out an application, regardless oh, yeah, of age. I would never have that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just <laughs> I go feel... to her for advice. <laughs> I can't. No. no. <laughs> you can uh, go to your dad. I can't go to my dad, uh, who I was over there this past weekend. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was like, oh, look, did you see my lilac bush? I got a lilac bush. I put it in over there. And I was like, D- when did that happen? And he <laughs> told me. And I was like, no, 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 no. Your sex changed, Dad. When did that happen? Why, the- why are you? I didn't curse my dad. But I was like, why are you Why are you buying lilac bushes now? Well, they're pretty. I'm like, exactly. I rest my point. Yeah. They uh, smell nice, though. Uh, I really like the way lilac smells. They're very fragrant. I told you that I spent the, all the time like getting rid of all the shit behind my house, like mm-hmm. where they had it all fancy and nice. Um, and I was my game plan is then to put new lawn fabric down or weed fabric, weed barrier down, mm-hmm. and mulch. I haven't got there yet, and now it is the biggest fucking weed bed that I've ever seen. There's oh, sure. hundreds of weeds, and they're every single one of them the exact same. The prickly ones that somehow grow two feet in a week yeah it sucks it's horrible i'm just i accomplished that much this year i'm just gonna let it be a weed garden and then next year i'll deal with it again yeah that's not accurate but it sucks it's hard to keep up with man yeah how's your lawn going you said your your father-in-law was gonna do it for you uh yeah he I miss it. We had like this big ocean of really tall grass in the backyard, and now it's like a normal yard. I kind of miss it, but it's like looks really nice. So that's good. Um, yeah. Other than it being your last week and eating some raw chicken, anything uh, else exciting from the week? I switched podcatchers. So I used to just use um, the default Apple Podcasts, uh-huh. uh, and I found a new app called Breaker. Okay. Which is like a social podcasting app, right? You put in your Facebook and Twitter and, you know, it suggests, hey, here are people you should follow based on your friends and followers and stuff. And, like, uh, basically you just give it any feed. Like, uh, Remake Me is on there now. And cool. And you can, like, like individual episodes, subscribe. They give you actual subscriber numbers, which is something iTunes doesn't do. Um, but they're smaller. They're, I, they're right now iOS only. Um, and Google Play is coming very soon. Um, but yeah, get on there. Give us a subscribe, like some episodes. It'll, 
that'll definitely help. That sounds cool. I do feel like there's a definite separation between social media and like, I think there's so many podcast apps and things like where yeah. Facebook is fucking Facebook. Yeah. Um, but all the podcast apps, it's spread so thin mm-hmm. uh, that there's nothing that's really infiltrated that well. Yeah, and they make it super easy to like share, like, oh, just post this to Facebook. Why has I really like this episode? Put it on Facebook. You think Facebook at this point would be able to have an uh, uh, option just to upload podcast? Like, I don't know. I mean, you could probably. Well, you know what I mean. But it seems like there would be a function that it's specifically made to do this. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll just if start. They find money potential in it. Yeah. We'll just start Facebook too. I feel, uh, I feel like they own anything associated with Facebook.com or .net. Like any combination of shit that you could type. Oh, sure, I'm sure. That's Like there's people that get paid business. just... No, I, I, but I'm just like, I wonder how far away from Facebook something you'd have to go to be able to get a, a site. Yeah. Probably far. Uh, we had our pictures taken last night. That was my <laughs> dreaded thing. Uh, it was not as terrible... As I was dreading, but didn't go as good as I'd hoped. Were you on a hill? Uh, no, we were standing beside a fence. Hmm. Um, Classic. I, I was expecting a hill. But uh, my four-year-old, my wife, in her infinite wisdom, gave him not a button-down shirt, but a snap-down shirt. Mm. So he decided how easy it is to just be like, and we never did that. That I still need to buy a, a necklace to try to rip off your neck. Yeah. Uh, I got to do that. But he discovered how easy it is to do with the pop ones. So, like, we'd be trying to take the picture, and he just kept ripping his shirt open and exposing his chest and stomach and saying, I'm a baby in my belly. Daddy has a baby in his belly. Daddy has a boy, and I have a girl. I have a girl, and Daddy has a boy. And, uh, yeah, it's funny to say now. Yeah. Uh, when it's happening, though, I fucking wanted to strangle him. Because mm-hmm. sure. I just want to get these pictures done so I can go home and go to bed. Yeah. That's all I wanted in my life. Um, speaking of segues, yeah, uh, I was watching some old Clive Barker interviews on YouTube this week, mm-hmm. and it was uh, this like UK. It's called like Bed and Breakfast, and their set was a bed that looked super uncomfortable for the interviewer and the interviewee to be kind of sitting half laying on. That seems smart. N- not comfortable. And like they had the time displayed. It was 843 in the morning when she was interviewing him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's very obviously the late 80s, early 90s. And it's this dopey English woman. And she starts off by saying that it's, Cli- uh, you know, she's going to interview Clive Barker this morning. And uh, they, he has sold millions and billions and trillions of books. And I was like. There's no fucking way. He he is not sold. There's no way he sold trillions. No. No way. I, I can't believe, unless my numbers that I envision things happening. I don't think Stephen King has sold billions. Has sold billions. That, there, there's no way. No way that that's popular. Yeah. Or possible. So that got me start to look. And I looked. There's only two people that, per Wikipedia, has ever sold into the billions. J.K. Rowling nope. and... Nope. Oh, I mean, the Bible? Nope. Is that one? Okay. Because it, it was author-specific. Um, One you might not think of. One you probably should get. 
Is it Stephen King? Nope. Hmm. Is it like Clive Cussler or nope. like James Patterson or nope. one of those? Nope. Okay. Go older school. Older school, like Zane Gray? W- way older. Way older than Zane Gray? He uh, was like in the 40s. Way older. Oh, Jane Austen? Way older. Uh, William Shakespeare and Agatha Christie are the only two people that have billions of anything okay, in Agatha print. Agatha Christie, she was incredibly popular, but she was incredibly popular in the UK, which doesn't have a large population. But my point is, this bitch said billions and then moved to trillions of books that he sold. That's overselling it a little bit. I think. Yeah. Uh, and then my favorite part was she kept talking about his girlfriends he has and how much the girls obviously love him and wonders what his girlfriend is like. Was he out at that time? I don't know. Mm. That's but, it. That should be information that you but I f- have. But I ready. feel like he's all, never not been out, like reading his books. Maybe that's just you looking from a place of privilege in 2018. That's totally true. Privilege? Yeah. How's that privileged? You're privileged to live in a time where it seems weird that someone wasn't out. I don't think we're totally there yet, but we're I definitely think it, more there than I th- we were in the 80s. That's true. I think it's probably, if anything, it's just me knowing something and looking backwards. I, I mean, the 80s were totally homophobic because of the AIDS ec- epidemic and everything. Yeah. Did you ever see the Bohemian Rhapsody thing? The trailer? The trailer? Yeah, definitely. It looks awesome, right? Yeah, And that fantastic. casting was pretty awesome? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that remix that they made for the, the trailer uh, was fantastic. Yeah, I'm pretty stoked about it all around. Um, I, I've realized that uh, at least Rami Malek, without the mustache, like with the mustache, he looked 99.5% uh, just like uh, uh, my brain just melted from the fever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Chicken Freddie goo. Mercury. Uh, but without the mustache, he kind of looked like a weird Mick Jagger. Mm, yeah, and I don't then know. I looked at I looked at Freddie Mercury without the mustache. Freddie Mercury without the mustache kind of <laughs> looked like a weird Mick Jagger. I felt like it was pretty good. Like I honestly assumed when when I heard it was coming out that they just got somebody with that body type, mm-hmm. and that they were going to call it good. But uh, yeah, I feel like they nailed it all around. Having never seen the movie, yeah, because it doesn't come out for what six more months or something. Yeah, it's a while, but I'm stoked for it for sure. Um, speaking of stoked, I feel like this was kind of a highly anticipated one, even though we didn't necessarily talk about it, but we've talked a lot about the, the mind behind it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this was a big episode, I think. I feel like I've Did talked it, about Hellraiser a lot. You have. It's like the tent pole that we haven't really touched. Yes. So I guess give me a synopsis and give me your overall thoughts. Uh, Hellraiser is not at all what I thought it would be. <laughs> and that's my synopsis. No, uh. Hellraiser is about a dude who loses his skin and then comes back to life and then needs to absorb dead bodies to flesh himself out. Uh, Flesh himself out? That was a good turn of phrase. Thanks. I'm going to cough. Try to do it off mic. (coughs) That was loud. (coughs) I don't... Uh, that probably still picked up on the mic. I'm sure it did, but I uh, got it of myself as yeah. far away as I could. He tried really hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, it yeah, it was weird. It was not what I was expecting. Uh, it, it, I can see why it was seminal. Um, I'm not sure that it holds up great, but yeah. Okay. Uh, I, th- I guess let's just dive in. All right. Um, first thing is dude buys the box and then is all sweaty and shirtless in some ritual. So mm -hmm. check Clyde Barker made this movie. (laughs) I always imagine that being the dude that sold gizmo. Oh, (laughs) like, don't you feel like gizmos there? Like probably in that same little, I've never seen a movie, but you've never seen gremlins. Never seen gremlins. Holy shit. I just assumed you'd seen that. No. At some point, I need to go through the list of things that I assume that you've seen, mm-hmm. so you can tell me. Yeah. I feel like 50 episodes ago, you're like, I need to do that exact thing, and you haven't yet. That's probably true. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, th- they they do it. Okay. You tell me about Frank. So, this guy's name is Frank. And why does he have this box? Uh, because he is an Epicurean and needs to experience everything. Okay, good. Um, so I I think he does as good, especially this is 1990, so you're just coming off the 80s. He does as good of a job as you can because later we see a whole bunch of pictures of him having sex with people in different countries, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the book, surprise, surprise, is super sexual in that they go. he goes through great detail in explaining how much Frank has done everything sexual that he could possibly do. And now he's bored. Yeah. Um, it's 87, by the way. Was it? My yeah, bad. Was I my bad. Um, so even more so. So yeah. he does about as much as he can in 87, but uh, you know, he, he, so what he's doing is he's sitting down and he's got this box in the book mm-hmm. and he's following the ritual that he's been told. So he has like roses and he has, incense burning and he's been saving his piss for like two weeks or whatever and it's stagnating in the corner um but my sarcastic cool but my point is is like the concept is is that he's fulfilled everything right so now he's Mm -hmm. ready for new sensations and ready to feel new things so you've got that dirty gross aspect of it and you have like the flower and the incense and it's like these diverging thoughts spectrum spectrum Yes. Isn't that also a sexual tool? That's a, That's specul- a speculum. <laughs> it's not really a sexual thing. It's a medical thing. But, you I'm know, everything pre- can be used as a sexual thing. I'm pretty sure, yeah. If it appears in Barker's stuff, it's sexual. Yeah. I don't know that... I don't know that Barker knows what straight people find sexy. It, there were a lot of weird, I think, moments in this. Okay. That didn't... Talk to me. Uh... Like, I get that, I get that sucking fingers can be sexy, and but I don't know the way he filmed it, the way it happened, just seemed off and not sexy at all. I just finished another Clive Barker book today, uh, and there was a sex scene, and it very much was from it was a man having sex with a woman mm-hmm. but the amount that he talked about the cock and balls and stuff yeah. it was like obviously written by a gay man yeah. uh, i'm not even joking like i'm being 100 percent like trying to analyze this mm-hmm. and i think that you 
are right about that to a degree for sure. Yeah. Uh, in particular, when you look at the look of the Cenobites, the Cenobites is 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 lifted straight from the Leather Daddy True. '80s thing. Yeah. You know, I mean that's it's total sadomasochism. I don't know if that's necessarily just '80s, but yeah. Well, that might not be '80s, but um, you know, I think Village People. It's timeless. <laughs> um so uh he he has the box right mm-hmm. he has the box uh, and he opens it up and he brings forth the cenobites yes so and we get pinhead mm-hmm. deep throat aka female cenobite okay butterball is the fat one okay and chatterer with the weird mouth thoughts on these guys uh they they looked all right. Um, I liked I liked Butterball because he like you don't see him that much, but he always looked very like wet and skeezy. That was cool. Um, uh, Chatter Chatterbox or Chatter? Yeah, I did not. I wasn't that into him. Why? I think he might be my favorite. Really? Um, I don't know. He. He looks maybe a bit like an H.R. Geiger ripoff. Actually, so does the Dick Scorpion. Yeah, but... <laughs> Dick Scorpion. <laughs> that's what I called it. I, I like didn't... that. I like Dick Scorpion. Yeah, yeah that's good. Um, I think that, in general, all of them, the Cenobites, are pretty iconic. And they've became iconic. Mm-hmm. Um, but even like seeing it for the first time, you can see these are side characters in this. This is yeah. not the movie that Clive Marker was not making a Cenobite movie. No. At all. It wasn't a Pinhead movie. No. In fact, Pinhead, you know, probably has the second least kind of to do. Yes, exactly. He's just the one that talks the most. But that's what became the thing. And, and it mm-hmm. was by accident, but it wasn't. I don't think it should surprise anyone when you look at what was created and how amazing they are and the concepts behind them, that that's the thing that became latched onto. Yeah. Uh, because the movie really is a love story, a fucked up love story. Sure. Um, and it's a lust story. It's a lust story. That's a good way to put it. Um, and the villain isn't really the Cenobites. No, it's Frank. Uh, I would argue it's almost more Julia. Um, Sure. Uh, yeah, she, I mean, she does the dirty work. Yeah. He's so, the puppeteer. So what we're talking about here is Frank, uh, it has been, so Frank then is destroyed by the Cenobites, right? He's yeah. ripped. Bucks come out and rip all his skin out and everything. Yes, so he's ripped apart and killed. Um, his brother and his sister-in-law end up moving into the home with their daughter, Kirsty. She doesn't live there. She's with them, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see that he has had a relationship with Julia. He slept with her on the, her wedding day. Yeah. He seduced her. She wanted to be with him, and he told her to get away, skank. Yeah. And she's never been able to let it go. And she, like, takes his pictures as spank material. Yes. Um, and she ends up finding him. He, uh, His hand gets, uh, one of the movers' hands get. oh, no, no. The brother's hand gets cut, uh, and that starts to. to uh, Larry. Uh, so it starts to regenerate frank Mm -hmm. she finds him in the attic or the room not really an attic and uh she starts to lure men to the home to kill them like that first few bits of blood took him from like zero to a skeleton and then the rest that took a long time it was a lot of 
blood. What is the regeneration stages for the traditional Cenobite captured corpse? Uh, I don't know if there's anything traditional. I don't know that this has ever happened before. <laughs> the Cenobites certainly seem surprised by it. Yeah, they do, don't they? Yeah. Um, but that's where I would argue that she, it's almost her becoming the villain, is that yeah. she's the... Like, it's almost like you'd, you're like, Frank, I'd expect that from you. But Julia, really? You would do that to us? I don't know. She, kind of the moment we see her, she's, you kind of, you kind of get the flashbacks kind of right away. It's like, yeah, there's this awkward scene with a couple of friends who are helping to move a mattress. And then Larry's like, well, I guess I'll get the beer. But other than that, like. Larry's the good guy, and she's always, like, totally ignoring him. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about Clive Barker's casting in almost everything that he casts. Like, I don't feel like Larry and Julia, but that's also might be, I don't feel like, I feel like the movie is dated. Um, In the even, especially, I don't think the Cenobites are, are, are bad, I buy all of that maybe not the little the lightning strikes and stuff that happen that's a little dated but um just the day-to-day the clothing the hairstyles is so dated and i don't know if yeah, that if, i know I, I i'm but my point is is that i don't know if i'm putting that on the casting but i don't feel like our two leads larry and julia are what i would hope they would be how so like yeah what do you mean by that what what did you hope they would be i like super attractive people no 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 not at all um it doesn't have to be do with attraction i think it just has to do with what you find engaging as a viewer i feel Um, like larry was a real good schlub yeah he could he could schlub it up i guess Yeah, and that was his role yeah but he was just the the schlub who was completely overrun by her mm-hmm. and yeah, that was his life um so she I feel like we're skipping over the the like resurrection that looked really good didn't it yeah it's very gooey yes uh but yeah like a good two or three minutes maybe uh and yeah he looked lo- really good looked like the the little baby wishmaster remember when like the little wishmaster like comes out and he's got like the crooked little arms and he's like walking and sure. he's like as you wish <laughs> you know the princess bride no <laughs> um i don't think frank looks any better than when he's like zombie frank when he's like green or gray mm-hmm. and they got like the fucking skinniest person in the world to get that makeup on yeah uh because i don't feel like that could have that was too good to be an animatronic wasn't it the what do you mean the makeup the makeup when it was like the green gray face uh-huh that was was that an animatronic felt like it was too good to be animatronic i don't think so but it was that had to been like the skinniest dude ever i find it weird that they cast one person to be frank and one person to be frank with no skin yes I, that's weird mhm i agree like why cast the frank the like original frank it's weird yes i agree all right. Um, but it's weird because Larry ends up playing I Frank. I tried to bring something to the table. No, you did. I don't know what you want me to say. I agree with you. There's no debate. 
Uh, It's funny that Larry ends up playing Frank more than Frank ever played Frank. Yeah. Um, Yeah, because you only see Frank like in a couple flashbacks in the beginning. Yes. Um, Okay, so moving forward, Kirsty ends up stumbling upon Julia's uh, scheme here, Mm -hmm. right? She knows that something's going on. Uh, Frank ends up taking over Larry's skin, her father's skin. That's that's like at the end. Yeah. Before she confronts him and finds the skinless one. Who she thinks is Frank. No, this she I mean oh, he the says skinless he's Frank, Frank and yes, he's I'm like sorry. and he's like uh I'll be your daddy or some weird like that or who's your daddy or something. Mm-hmm. Like it's hey, it's me, Uncle Frank, who's your daddy? What? <laughs> Is that the is that their avuncular relationship? No, but that's his because he's a fucking creep, man. Sure, like, I guess. I don't know. It it was weird, but then it came back when Larry Frank says, "Who's your daddy?" And yes. she finds it. She figures it out. Yes. But yeah, she grabs the box and she chucks it out the window, and he's like, "No!" And then she runs outside and grabs the box and runs downtown and passes out and. Uh, is rescued by a a nice racially diverse group of people. It is. It's forward thinking. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, And then we have some cricket chomping. Yeah. I feel like that could have been left out. Yeah. Yeah. What's up with that character? Um, I mean, that's like the keeper of the. Yeah. But. Yeah. He just is like, hey. What's up? I'm here. I'm eat these crickets. Cool. Yep. That's what you get. Later I'll turn into a freaking dragon pterodactyl and take the box. Yeah, a skeleton dragon pterodactyl. Take the box. Mm-hmm. Um Oh, I get it. I get the 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 parallel here. I get what your theme is. Mm-hmm. Is uh at the end people get caught on get set on fire what it is yeah yep mm-hmm. it's good mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um spoilers yeah <laughs> um i don't know where we go frank is a hospital dick scorpion thoughts on dick scorpion uh other than being a dick scorpion <laughs> um i thought like it its face kind of looked like a cross between butterball and chomper a bit okay uh and then the fight at the end is real bad the little handsy grab the box fight. The handsy grab the box fight. When her and the dick scorpion are both trying to scramble and get the oh, box. Oh, sure. That looked real bad. Yeah, it wasn't great. Um, I do love... It just went on too long. Yeah. I do love him, though. Like, as a look, uh, it's the engineer is his name. Um, and he's supposed to be... He, Regardless, I won't get into it. But... Uh, do. That's, um, that's your job. So he... Uh, he lives he lives in the labyrinth um and is kind of the watcher of the box which is called la manchard's confi- uh, uh box because mm-hmm. uh, la manchard uh was this box maker back in the day and then he ended up accidentally creating the lament configuration which is what opens the portal to hell um but what he what barker has done with this is it's great and i'm hopefully going to start doing this, but there's been comic book lines and stuff that have came off of this Mm -hmm. because 
this is just one this is a tuesday for the cenobites yeah. like this is one tiny little story for the cenobites but they go around and they do all kinds of this shit right oh, i looked at clive barker's imdb there's 17 more of these things yeah, well he doesn't have anything to do with anything other than two right. and three um, characters by but yes. still um but there's the movies but again like comic books and everything it's it's a huge world that he was able to create just with this concept of opening the box and is, before is there only one novel uh there is uh the hellbound heart which is what this turned into mm-hmm. and then just a couple years ago he wrote the second book uh and it's called the scarlet gospels um i talked about that on the podcast i remember now um and that's actually about pinhead um whose name is really the hell priest um and he kind of gets into an argument with satan and kind of gets shunned from hell and that's the second time he appeared and then just this year there was something called hellraiser the toll that just came out and uh it was written by another guy based off an idea by clive barker is not good. It's like 110 pages. Uh, and Kirsty goes to where the box was made and ends up running into him again. But it is hmm. not good. But the Scarlet I loved Browns, I, was Scarlet Gospels. Gospels. Scarlet Gospels. I loved. Uh, a lot of people critiqued it and said that they weren't fans of it. And they think that the guy that wrote the Hellraiser the Toll uh, ghost wrote it for Barker. Hmm. Um and there was a debate because they said Barker said that his manuscript for it was 2000 pages, but now it's only 400 pages. But that's when I said, if you remember, if he handwrites everything, so you yeah. could totally put 2000 handwritten pages into 400 type pages. Certain, that's a hundred, that's a hundred percent believable. Yeah. I think 350 words is a, is a page. So, so I, I think, yeah, you could only, let's see a fifth of that would be 70 words. There's probably more than 70 words in a handwritten page, but. I don't know about too much more. Yeah. I don't know. He writes fucking crazy too, though. Like yeah. you can't I like uh, listen to a podcast with guys that work for him. And one of them just professionally, all he does is uh, I was going to say translate. And that was probably an appropriate word. Transcribe. Like, transcribe. Um, but it is almost like translating because Barker's like you've seen his signature on my stuff before. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not a stylized signature or anything. That's how he fucking writes. Mm-hmm. So you can't try to read it. Um, and he writes with his feet sometimes. I don't know about it anymore because he's kind of getting old. But he would like sit and write with his feet. All right, then. Sometimes he would write two stories at a time. One with each hand. Which seems more like a mental illness to me than... yeah. Anything. <laughs> does, does he still have his corpus callosum? Uh, no, it was severed. Hmm. Um, yeah, so then we get our ultimate showdown between Frank and the Cenobites. And it doesn't go great for Frank. Nope. Again. Yeah, he explodes. <laughs> Again. Yeah. Uh, and the Cenobites live to fight another day. Mm-hmm. Um, what are we missing? I feel like, for me, the, the key things for me is... The sexual angle of the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, The fact that I feel like it is substantially dated. I mean, this was 30 years ago. Yeah. uh, But I do feel like it's substantially dated. And the the staying power and the weight of the characters that he created is just... There's a reason why there's that many. Unfortunately, not very many of them are good. But 
we keep wanting to see more because the characters that they created are so great. Like there's, there's comic books about uh, the pinhead has to go after a clown that entertains children in hell. So he has to deal with like those concepts are amazing and mm-hmm. they can go anywhere and they can do anything. That's cool. Um, what am I missing? What are your, anything else that you want to talk about, about Hellraiser? Sounds like you feel like it was a little disappointing. Um, I don't know that I can say it was disappointing because it was so totally not what I expected. So you expected Pinhead torturing people the whole time? I expected, uh, like a Freddy with Pinhead and and hooks instead of a claw hand. Yeah. You expected Pinhead meets Hostile. I mean, I expected Pinhead meets Freddy or Jason. Sure. Like where he he just picks off people with hell hooks. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. And that's not at all what it was. And yeah, what it was was dated. Um, But uh, I can can see why it really took off at the time. Yes. Um, I do believe, like you said, it has not aged the best. But I can I can totally see where it took off. Yeah. Um, so I'd said before, like this genuinely scares me for one specific reason, mm-hmm. more so it did than now. And that reason is, is like the idea that Kirsty or anybody like accidentally got themselves into that situation with something from hell. Right. Yeah. So I'm not uh, hell fearing at all now. But there was a time when I was like, holy shit, I might go to hell. Right. And especially with that, like the idea of like me saying something wrong and like the devil pops up and he's like, oh, you wanted to sell your soul for that burrito? Mm -hmm. Cool. Let's do it. You just thought it. You just said it. You're fucked now. Mm -hmm. And that's legitimately terrifying. Like even now I think about that, like I don't buy any of that shit. But if you told me that that existed, Mm -hmm. that I accidentally stumble across something or I accidentally do something. Yeah. And those bastards show up or I find myself in any situation like that. Yeah. That's a phenomenal concept. Do you ever hear about the blasphemy challenge? Yes. Uh so the point of the challenge is there's only there is only one unforgivable sin in that's listed in the Bible and that is to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Uh and so the blasphemy challenge was you get on video and say that you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, blah blah blah. And I was like 22, 23, 24, somewhere in there. Like, you know, I'd been an atheist for six, seven, eight years uh, and completely did not believe that stuff. But it was so ingrained in me that I remember doing that on camera and like when I turned the camera off, kind of shaking. Like it was really powerful and scary. That and it totally shouldn't have been because my rational brain knew that it was all BS. But I just remember that was weird, and I think that that's probably what shook me of the hell thing is that moment is having that moment, and then you know, days, months, weeks, whatever later, reflecting on that and and coming to terms with that. Um, but yeah, hell is real in your mind, and uh- it's. It's frightening. I never did that because I was scared. If I just want to be 100% honest, right. I didn't do it because it was scary to me. Yeah. Um, so this isn't as bad as it gets, but I have a picture of like some of his handwriting here. 
and you can kind of see what I'm talking about. I think it's gotten way worse. Those aren't terrible, but you can kind of see what I'm talking about. These pays vital. I think pages. Oh, yes. The E and the S is very together. Curtain, the solution, T, the trilogy. Do not lore. Art three, vital material. So obviously the big bolt, but, but anyway, my point is, is like, that's what he professionally does is just transcribe for him. That's weird. Um, yeah. So Russ is scared of demons. Yeah. Which I guess if you're going to be scared of something, that's, yeah, that's something that you should be I mean, scared that's of. Right? Night of the demons, Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. Are there any, I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of hell based ones. Are there any others that, um, really shook you um this this movie actually scared me like this supposed to the the uh the covers the house cover always scared me mm-hmm. um that was always terrifying i felt like there was another one recently that i told you about that i well i you know what the uh lair of the white worm it's all religious based things that really scared me yeah. like the night of the demons this hellraiser thing yeah. yeah and i think it's just that protestant child fear mm-hmm. of hell and damnation right you get the, the all the fear but none of the like guilt to cover it up well yeah especially because neither of us were in particularly religious households right um so it was super at least i'll speak for myself and i assume for you it was like casual christianity mm-hmm. like well of course everybody believes in jesus that's what we do yeah uh but none of the knowledge to go along with that so you just right. had the very casual like be good or you're going to hell thing mm-hmm. uh and that's about all that i got yeah, and then when I was, like, 12, 13, I, like, got super, not, like, super religious, but, like, super into reading the Bible and, you know, all this is what I believe. And then basically when I finished it, I that's where I was, like, this is what I believe. It's kind of weird. But. I've been having it on my list that I should read the Bible. Like, I feel like I need to. Mm-hmm. And uh, I found a version on Audible that Johnny Cash reads it. And I'm kind of like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it with Johnny good Cash. Good way to spend an audible credit. It, it really is, isn't it? It's good. Um, did you have fears, like actual legit fears at all? Um, as a kid and stuff? Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, hell was a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, like, what 13-year-old boy, well, I'm sure there are plenty of them, but as a 13-year-old boy, like, you know... <laughs> It's, it's about to get very lewd, but, mm-hmm. you know, that post-cum shame mm-hmm. was less shame and more, like, hellfiery. Yeah. Like, oh, I just, I just sinned, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to hell and things like that. Oh, I'm, the audio guy. Uh, I, I, I hadn't gotten one. You'd said that you got the phone call about, like, your taxes and you're going to be taken to jail. Mm-hmm. I got my first one yesterday, and I think that's probably what that was, too. Nice. What's the deal with that? I hadn't I hadn't heard of it at all until you told me. I mean, there are lots of scams out there, so it's so easy now to. I mean, technology is awesome, but it is also can be used for nefarious purposes, just like any invention. Um, and it's super easy to just robocall now, and so I think the the big scam right now is they like want to get you on the phone and everything, and and get you talking, and then they they'll be like, "Can you hear me?" And then you say yes, and then they keep going and then in the background they they edit your phone call 
so that instead of asking, can you hear me, they ask, do you authorize your credit card? And you say yes, and then they charge your credit card. That's nuts. Yeah. Um, anything else you were scared of as you grew up? Um, I mean... It wasn't. I was hoping I could play it. It's saying that yeah. the trash is delayed for a day next week. <laughs> that didn't make for it's as the good... the most fucking suburban <laughs> voicemail ever. <laughs> that is... This is... That's my community association yeah. problems. Yeah. White problems right there. Yep. Um, I was really hoping that it would be like, Russell Hall, you need to... Yeah. It wasn't. Nope. That would have been better. Yeah. Speaking of segues... <laughs> Speaking of segues... Candyman. Yeah. Synopsis. Uh, Candyman is Bloody Mary, but in the projects. Overall thoughts? Again, not what I was expecting. Uh, this one was a little bit closer. But, um, yeah. Again, I can see why it was seminal. Um, I feel like uh, it holds up a lot more. Uh, and not nearly as, as scary as I thought it was going to be. Um, but still, yeah, uh, I, I enjoyed it. Candyman is probably in my top five movies of really? all time. Absolutely. Mm. I think it is the best movie that was made in the nineties. It wow. is. Okay. It is wonderful on so many levels. Well, take it away, Russ. I like it. Next week. <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, so we open Ted Raimi with <laughs> Ted Raimi. So we open first. We open we're we're looking at at overhead shots of Chicago. Yes. So you're immediately seeing this is an urban setting, right? Mm-hmm. This is not a cabin in the woods. This is not a haunted castle. This is a place where you, I'm saying you is in the, a good portion of the audience live. Right. Right? Um something that you can identify with, right? And this is Chicago. You and I have been to Chicago. I've right. never been to a haunted house. Have you ever been to a haunted house? I've not. Uh, I don't spend that much time in cabins in the woods, right? Um, but I've been to Chicago. I've been to those exact, that exact city, you mm-hmm. know? And there's tons of people that live there. There's tons of people live in places that you can identify with that. Right. And not a place where you really get folklore. I mean... The urban legends are called urban legends for a reason, but you know when you're out in the woods, what you're scared of is what's out in the woods. Yes. You know here you're you're scared of people. Yes, exactly. Uh, and that's what they make you do. Like that's what the movie does is it makes you scared of people mm-hmm. in that setting, and then it throws the supernatural twist onto that. Um, but the very beginning, so this movie is an urban legend, and it's not only an urban legend. It's about urban legends, right? Yeah. So they are saying from the very beginning, very meta, man. we know what this is. We know what this is, and we're going to address it directly, right? And it's somebody telling a story about somebody saying Candyman, just like Bloody Mary, mm-hmm. in the mirror, and they're talking about it being an urban legend. And that guy's Ted Raimi, which obviously excited you very, very much. Ted Raimi. Why do you like him? So what is he from that you Zena. know him? Zena, we've talked about this, I think, every time he comes up. Yep. Yep, and I'm like, why do you know him? <laughs> oh, Zena. He was also on Sports Night, which was great. But, yeah, Zena, like... Ted Raimi wasn't in Sports Night. That was Josh something. 
That was another Jewish guy with a big ass nose. No, Ted Raimi was also in Sports Night. I don't think so. Okay. No, you're th- you it's talk. Josh Josh uh something is I'm his name. I'm not talking about like the secondary main character. Mm, this doesn't sound right at all to me. I don't think Ted Raimi was in there. All right, keep talking. I'm going to IMDb this. Okay. Um so they're just telling the story and then we see that uh it's actually they're discussing this in a class. So you have Xander Berkeley, uh, who's the guy from Terminator. Remember the guy from Terminator that gets the taking the milk and then he gets stabbed through the face. Yes, that's him. Cool. That's Trevor in the movie. Hmm, cool. Yeah. Um, and he's teaching a class on this. Virginia Madsen uh, is his wife, and she is currently working on her thesis. She's a graduate student, and she's researching urban legends, folklore. Uh, and things of that nature. You getting close there? I don't think Ted Raimi's in sports now. Oh, he's not. That's weird. He's he's scrolling all the I way to the bottom. I thinking of Joshua Molina, I believe. Oh, the Josh guy. The Josh that I kept saying. No, Josh Charles. Not Josh Charles. I was I thinking of say Joshua Josh Molina. I said Josh. <laughs> Did I get it right? Two of the four. <laughs> two out of the three male leads are named Josh. <laughs> You know what? You nailed it. I did nail it, didn't I? You said Josh, and this is Joshua. Mm. So you failed. Uh, and it's Peter, Peter whatever? Kraus. Peter Kraus from from Six Feet Six Under. Six Feet Under, which mm-hmm. I'm still, like, every time. Dude, those seasons are over there. Mar- I, have, I have HBO. Oh. So Marianne, every time I'm like, okay, new show. What oh, are we going to watch? Dude, make it Six Feet Under. And I'm like, my wife and Six I watched Under, it. And she's like, I want to watch something new. And I was like, no, every time we say do thing, you go, I want to watch something good. Who cares if it's a decade old? No, here's the th- it's I've just heard amazing things about it. And that's what you need to do is like, I don't want to watch new shows because if I'd like it, it might get canceled after a season or a part of a season. And I don't want to spend the time with it if it's not going to go anywhere. You know exactly where that is going. You know exactly it's a finite number that you're going to watch. And it is wonderful wonderful i think i may have been thinking about west wing yeah just trying to justify yourself yeah was he in west wing i never watched west wing i never did either but uh, i kind of want to like just because it was by aaron sorkin like sports night i have sports night i've watched that series prop maybe more than any other because it's only like three seasons yeah and it's just fantastic as not a sports guy at all my my show like that is the it crowd it's a british show uh about people in it and it's just dry british and it's very dry and very slapsticky at the same time that sounds contradictory i mean that's like money python really right it's no money python but i guess it's really good uh you didn't you watch father ted no i don't know oh. what that is okay i thought you were the one that recommended you father ted nope. never mind i don't know what that is um anyway so candy man um and so she starts hearing this story, Virginia Madsen, about Candyman. And what's Candyman's story? What do they find out about Candyman? Like his backstory? Sure. Uh, he was, it's, the, the legend goes back to six, uh, 1890. Uh, and he was the son of a slave who was freed and invented something about shoes. And so he grew up rich, 
had all the finest things in life and apparently was a really good artist. So all the other rich people hired him to uh, basically capture their their beauty on canvas. Mm-hmm. And so he got a, uh, a request to capture a uh, rich and powerful man's daughter's virginal beauty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and better do it quick. It. <laughs> you better do it quick. He definitely <laughs> captured it. Uh, they fall in love, get married, and then uh, an angry mob kills him with bees. Uh, sort of, yeah. So they uh, they cut off his hand, mm-hmm. and then they cover him with honey from the local beehives, and then they leave him out. Uh, which is an incredible fairy tale villain story like that backstory is phenomenal there's nothing that you could do to make that any better what are you trying to figure out now i'm just looking at ted remy's imdb i know i feel like i need to take your phone away i'm listening to everything you say and responding you're just distracted visually but our audience won't be Hmm. they're going to be distracted audioly hourly (laughs) audioly hourly audioly Orally. Orally. A U R R A. Or no. A U R A L L Y. Hourly. Orally. So Virginia Madsen and her friend end up going to uh, Green. Canterbury Green. Not Canterbury Green. Calibri? 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 your favorite movie? Calabari. Oh, the 90s. Uh, this is killing me right now. Virginia Manson looks like a less attractive Gillian Anderson. Um, She does look like Gillian Anderson. I think she's very lovely. I think she's attractive. Yes. She's no fucking Gillian Anderson. Gillian Anderson had work done. Have you seen her so, lately? I don't care. I'm not saying that's... I'm just saying you can definitely tell that work has been done lately. Yeah. Yes. Um... Anyway, so they go there, right? And they are immediately... Bef- I mean, before that, they say Candyman five times in the mirror. Yes. And nothing happens. Mm-hmm. Why? What do you mean, why? Why does nothing happen? Stuff does happen. Uh, not immediately. The, okay, the, so you're the rep- Ted Raimi girl... Mm-hmm. Like, I knew you were going to bring this up. Yeah, go ahead. Ted Raimi girl, and the point of the urban legend. The whole urban legend, the point of it is... You say Candyman five times in the mirror, and he appears behind you. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen. No, it didn't happen, but it doesn't mean that that urban legend is correct. Like, things change. correct in the opening that, intro. No, that opening intro you don't know is real. That was them showing you that story being told. That was them showing you the visual yes, of that story being told. girl on a tape recorder, sure. So, that would it still be... still happened in the movie. I... <laughs> I don't I don't think that counts because in all seriousness, I think they're showing you they're showing you this is the story that's been told. Mm -hmm. Whether there's fact or fiction here, I don't know, but this is what the story is. That ceiling got real wet real fast. Yeah. I mean, it's supernatural stuff and it's a story within that Mm -hmm. Um, because one of the readings that I hopefully we can talk about later is 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 there a fucking candy man at all? We can talk about this towards the end. Okay. But that's totally a possibility that there is no Candyman. This whole movie, there's no Candyman. Okay. 
Um, I don't believe that. I don't either. I'm saying that's a reading that one can take, and that's why I think that it is a good movie. Uh, if they hadn't ended the movie 12 times, then that could be a reading of the movie, but I feel like the ending destroys that reading. Might be true. Um, where was I? Okay, so they go mm-hmm. not to Canterbury Green. <laughs> God damn it. Canterbury Green is a place around here. Yes. It's a place where the walls smell like... Um, Yep. Permeous food. Anyway, uh, so they go there. And this also, this sets up a thing that's phenomenal in the movie is that they have, is that they have racial tension in the movie Mm -hmm. and they have class tension in the movie Mm -hmm. and it's not preachy. It's not, uh, it's, it's a real take on that because you have these two professional women that are working on thesis thesis statements that are grad uh, graduate students, mm-hmm. very white collar, going into this very uh, poverty stricken, government subsidized apartment housing run by drug dealers um, that are predominantly black, and one mm-hmm. of these women is white. So you have class and race here, and I think that the movie does a great job of adding those tensions to it like these are 10 scenes with just people because you don't know if these women are going to get raped or murdered or beat down just for being where they quote-unquote shouldn't be because it's not they're not walking within their class lines right now or race lines with virginia madsen's case Mm um yeah and i liked this is i liked that they they go there stuff happens and we can talk about that stuff but in the end the big reveal is because of how the projects were built the candy man was probably just a dude who broke th- because the there were no there's no wall between their medicine cabinets is is the yep so, so they're on this so their apartments built back to back I'm, I don't know why I'm doing this motion for you when you know what I'm saying. So there are mm-hmm. apartments that are built back to back and the place where the medicine cabinets are installed is the same back to back on yeah. in those apartment it's buildings. Cinder blocks and then they're uh, just pushed hole. into the cinder box. Yep. So you can pull out those medicine cabinets and go between the two wall between the two rooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that would explain how the real life person that would have committed these murders totally could have been going through and how the legend would start with. He busted through the medicine cabinet. He busted through the mirror. Exactly. So you are a graduate student. Of course, that's exactly that feeds into it. Right. Mm -hmm. And then don't go outside because you have to, you turn it into a way to control your children and to control the population. Right. Which is what almost all folklore. Exactly. Yep. Is it's a way to control people usually children yep exactly um and who's one of the very first people that we meet when we go to not canterbury green uh Anne marie Anne marie and a little boy right he's the when she goes alone yeah um that's where i was going because we talked about children then i was going to segue to that Anne marie has a baby who's gonna make it uh yeah and i thought this was great too because you have like the shittiest looking hallway Mm -hmm. um there's graffiti everywhere. Sweets They're for the t- sweet. 
They're telling you that it stinks, it's dirty, uh, and they meet a woman there who's got a baby, and you go into her apartment, and it's completely contrast, right? Like mm-hmm. you see their individual person can still flourish and try to make the best out of it because she's got a really nice place yeah. while living Relatively it. nice. As nice as, as she can yes, make it for exa- her son. Exactly. Um, but she's still living there, and that... I think again shows like her trying to pull herself out of it. Yeah, certainly. Uh, and then, so they go and find a hole, a medicine cabinet with the hole in it for the Ruthie Jean murders. And she goes back and she finds a room. Cabrini Green. Cabrini. There you go. Sorry. Just go back and edit all that in. Okay. Uh, Let me get a good one real quick so I can add it. Cabrini Green. Cabrini Green. Nice. That Good. gives me everything I need. It's a clean tape. Good. That's what we call in the business a clean tape. <laughs> Go ahead, sorry. Got my cans on. Uh, yeah, so they find this, and she goes through a hole, and it's the Candyman's mouth. It's, there's a big graffiti Candyman on there. It's an amazing shot, right? Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. I love it. And then she... Uh, finds candy with razor blades in it. Mm-hmm. Um, she goes back to visit. Which never comes up again. No. His name is the candy man, but he's a hook guy. Anyway. Um, she comes back mm-hmm. and befriends a little boy. Yep. And he tells her, Jake. like, you have to be good because the candy man will get you. Like, I know about this shit. I know candy man will get you. And that's reinforcing that his parents whoever's looking after him has has used that that's their boogeyman she goes up to a little boy and is like do do you know anything about these murders seems a little tactless um yeah she's this is her first real big thing she's done oh he's black he's fine with the murder he lives in cabrini green man he sees it every day um so he starts telling her about Candyman, and he tells her that bathroom right there Candyman. They go on a walk. Candyman did some shit in that bathroom, mm-hmm. and they go into the bathroom. Or what? I guess what? What did what? What did Candyman do in that bathroom? Uh, according to Jake, a <laughs> you're like this. Is Jake's words. This yeah, is not Jake's my words, words. Not mine. A retarded boy uh, went in there, and uh, Candyman sliced his dick off. Just totally castrated him. And in Jake's mind, that kid's now better off dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she goes in to investigate the toilet. Yeah. The the restroom. And there's also a mystique of, of people's hair turning white when they see the Candyman. Mm-hmm. Um. So, uh, the toilets are all smashed to pieces. The urinals are all broke. There's graffiti everywhere. Someone has smeared shit. It, a lot uh, of yes. shit. The n- amount of people or the amount of dedication that one person had to come back mm-hmm. and shit this many times mm-hmm. to write sweets to the suite across the entire wall. Not only across the wall and the urinal, but then you go inside and it's written again yeah. on well, that wall. Well, it turns 90 degrees too. Like it yeah, took it turns some... 90, it goes from the wall across the, the doors of the thing. And then you open up the doors of the thing, and it says it again on the wall. Yes. In shit. Um, it's a so lot of shit. There's a lot of dedication. And some of those letters were thick. 
Yes, that was. They weren't just like smeary. Mm-mm. Some of like chunky monkeys. Yeah, absolutely. There was uh, like I don't know. Every time I have to write anything big, like a, I don't know, poster board, or I try to write something big on a piece of paper, mm-hmm. I have to do it like three times because my spacing always ends up terrible. And like yeah. I get to the end and I'm like, I don't have enough room for this last do letter. It, do it in pencil first. Uh, do you think that's what they did for the sweet like? Did they stencil out sweets to the sweet mm-hmm. in pencil, erase it and start over twice so they could get it right. And then they're like, all right, tomorrow I'm back and I'm starting my shit wall. <laughs> I'm collecting these things in jars for weeks. <laughs> um, but again, this, we've all been in a dirty bathroom, right? I've I've never been in a bathroom this dirty. No, no, no. But that's my point. I don't think I've ever been as in a bathroom as dirty as a dirty movie bathroom. No. Um, but I still feel, this feels more real again to me than having a ghost pop out at you. Um, I've been in places where there's graffiti all over and I'm uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, what's the most unsafe you've ever felt? Uh, I don't know. I don't know that that really registered real hard in, in the old brain. Okay. I'll think you tell me you obviously have one. on. Deck. I do have one. So I'll think. So the mo- I've been in I've been to Chicago. I've been to Detroit. I've been in a lot of those settings in which I am the white dude that is not where a white uh, middle class dude should not be. Mm-hmm. You accidentally double negative negative there. OK, sorry. Um, the place that I have felt the most unsafe is in Muncie, Indiana. I went to a concert. Okay. Featuring those poor bastards and Hank Williams the third. Okay. Uh and you were in a mosh pit? When Hank Williams the third went on, oh. I was did not feel safe because there's just tons of fucking white trash rednecky dudes that I felt like at any minute I was going to get elbowed in the face or I was gonna get punched in the face just because they're drinking Budweiser. Uh and it was like I got out of there quick. I thought Hank Williams, Hank Williams the third was a good one. It was a cool one. Uh, I don't know that he he does he attract that crowd. Absolutely, hmm. he's a hundred percent that crowd. Like because Hank Williams, Hank Williams Junior. is a real ass ba- ass bag. I mean, racist motherfucker. Well, I think I think Hank Williams the third. I don't. I, I I was gonna get libel there, but yeah. Hank Williams the third. I know didn't want anything to do with his his name's sheldon williams first of all his name's technically slander uh okay anyway uh so i don't know about any of his racial thoughts but uh i don't he didn't want anything to do with his lineage Mm -hmm. at all or his heritage um until like he got money problems and then he was like i'm hank williams the third now let's make some country music um because he had always done metal stuff. Yeah. And I think that's what he really likes. And he's kind of mixed the metal with the super, super hillbilly stuff that I've never. And it should be something I like because I'm into those poor bastards and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I've never really liked it. I've tried because, again, I feel like it should be in my wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, there's Confederate flags all over the place mm. and stuff like that. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. So I might is, be wrong. Is he doing it for... To get more people that way, or is he doing it because he believes in it? Um, I mean, either way is yeah. Wrong. Either way, it's it's shitty. Yes, but that's the crowd that yeah, I felt like. I like guess. I felt like there were lots of Confederate flag tattoos all around, um, and that is the least safe I felt. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, 
I used to, like, I was a really sheltered kid. So, like, I thought, you know, downtown Fort Wayne is where you went to get shot or stabbed. And it's, like, <laughs> it's not, not It's hard all. to make that happen. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Oh, I can tell you. Okay. This <laughs> Was is... it Ponderosa's story again? No. When you thought you were going to die from eating too much steak? No. Uh, <laughs> um... This probably was fifth or sixth grade. Um, growing up, the the fat kid, you find out very early on you have to like find the weird tough kid and just pair off with him um, to like be your protector, right? I never did that. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, obviously, it worked for you, but yeah, yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, I I had that. It was my my best friend. Um, I think I might have been years. Ben's weird tough kid. Maybe. <laughs> I, I can't picture you as tough. I don't but. know if I was tough. Tougher than Ben. Yeah, probably. <laughs> nobody wants to deal with that. Uh. Uh. So, yeah, I was just sleeping over at his house one day, and he was like, "Hey, let's go for a walk." And this is in small Amish town. Like, you know, it's it's outskirts of Amish. It's, is this it's, TP? This is Grable. No. Oh, yeah, it's TP. Okay. Um, and so he was, um, he was the rebel. Like, he was the kid smoking cigarettes in fourth, fifth, sixth grade. Yeah, he could be the coolest guy in the world now, yeah. but in my mind, I envision a fourth grader smoking cigarettes. So whatever the adult equivalent of that is, that's yeah. what I envisioned in my head. Yeah. Um, so we were cutting through backyards and, uh, I'm not much, uh, of a walker. I'm definitely not much of a runner (laughs) and I'm certainly not much of a fence climber. (laughs) So we're cutting through backyards and I hear, get out of here. And then I see his shadow with a shotgun and I hear, Oh, my God. And as, like, a 10, 11-year-old kid, or as an adult, any at any time, that is fucking terrifying. You cried immediately, right? And so we just took off and uh, took off for the fence. And he climbed the fence with ease because, you know, <laughs> that that's why he was my friend. He was my shelter buddy. Uh, and I struggled with it. And I, like... <laughs> Started to mount the fence, and I got, like, one leg half over, and he grabs my jeans and pulls me over, and I do about four or five, like, rolls in the air super fast and land right on my back on my solar plexus and just go, and all my air is gone from my entire body. But there's still a dude with a shotgun <laughs> 20 feet away, and I have to get up and go, <laughs> and run away. So that is the most terrified I've ever been in my life. Sounds fair. Yeah. Um, Did I get louder? Oh, you got 100% louder. Like I feel, But, like, not just me. I feel like I got, like, my mic got louder. I mean, I didn't touch I, anything, yeah, but didn't you were anything. spiking out. A little bit there. I was. You were. I was energetic. Yes, you were. That one. You were emphasizing. I'm sorry for your ears. That's okay. I don't care. I'm good. I'm uh, apologizing to you. I was apologizing to the I audience. I know. I know. That was my point. Um, so we we skipped one thing real quick. Um, she went when uh, 
Virginia Madsen goes in to check out the other uh, room and she gets to see the mouth and everything. Mm-hmm. Her friend stays behind uh, and Virginia Madsen took off her jacket and her friend uses her jacket to sit on the nasty, grimy tub. Yep. And I love that. Like She like looks at it. She's like, I'm not sitting on that with my pants. Let me, doll in there. let me use my friend's jacket and lay it over the tub and sit on it. And I was like, what good. a bitch. catch that. What a bitch. It's good. What a bitch. Hey, uh, everyone. She left her there. Is smoking constantly in this movie too, right? I mean, yeah, it's the 90s. It's incre- like, and w- I think we've talked about this before, but we grew up in that. Like, yeah. both of our parents smoked, right? Right. And, uh. You don't realize how much it was around you constantly, but I think that was my childhood was just every adult around you just smoking. My childhood asthma definitely knew about it. Just one after the other, just smoking. Like there's a dinner scene and everyone is smoking mm-hmm. constantly. Yeah. Chain smoking. Yes. It's incredible. Um, so there she, uh, she's like, well, I'm in here. She op- starts opening the, the doors to the stalls. And the third one has more shit stain and arrow pointing down at the closed toilet. Mm-hmm. And she opens it up, and what does she find? A billion bees. Yes, bees. One for every book Clive Barker has sold. Yep, I think that's up to that point. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's now he's in the trillions. Diamonds at the trillions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, she, and then she turns around, and who who's there? Candyman's there. Candyman's there. Yep. And uh, I turned to to. Marianne, and I was like, there's the Candyman. And she's like, he's just a dude? And I was like, yeah, I think that's kind of the point of this movie. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the Candyman. Uh, I mean, he it is. the Candyman. He, yeah, so, so, and this is, again, it seems super, super cool to me because this is what would really happen. Yeah. This is a gangster that has adopted that that character for himself. Bring back the Princess Bride again. He's the Dread Pirate Roberts. Yeah. So he claims that he's... <laughs> I don't get that. You shit on my that. reference. <laughs> I, d- I don't remember that. I'm sorry. He, that's the character. Because the Dread Pirate Roberts is the, the evil pirate. And it turns out it's just him. And it's a moniker passed down. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I remember now. Yeah. It's funny. Cause there's so, a, let's go back. There's a Princess Bride. So, it's like uh, he's the Dread Pirate Roberts. <laughs> I know, right? It's a good reference. It was a good one. Yeah. I get that immediately. Yeah, Chris. How did we not talk about Chris Sarandon last week? I don't know. He's right here in front of my face for seventy four episodes. Yep, right there. Plus a shit ton more bonus episodes. Um, so I think this is super clever because I think it's what would really happen that they, they, he's adopted this persona. So he carries a little hook around. Uh, he he dresses like Candyman's supposed to dress. Yeah, and uh, he's definitely got an intimidating look. Yeah, and he says, "I'm the Candyman, bitch." Yeah, and he Clobbered knocks her out. Um, and her and, eye gets super fucked up. Yes, it does. So she's super fucked up. They end, the police end up going after him. And this is awesome, too, in that Virginia Madsen says the cops wouldn't do shit when all of these people were getting murdered by mm-hmm. this dude. And the detectives even like, we're, we're pretty sure he murdered all those people. Yes. But one white woman was it, gets hit. Well, nobody in. Exactly. That's where I'm going with that. That would talk. Uh, exactly. Insert that in there. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll do some editing right there. Calabrini Green? Calabrini. No. Look it up again. God damn it. Calabri is a font, and it's the default font in Word. Oh, it may also be Cabrini. called... Cabrini. Cabrini. Cabrini Green. Cabrini Green. Um, do another take. 
Cabrini Green. Cabrini Green. Uh, it's clean takes. I like it. It's good. Um, I'll take out all those ums too. Yeah, good. Is there an um deleter function on my? Uh, on my. I was looking at like podcasting technology and stuff, and uh, there are companies that you know you host your podcast on and everything and they transcribe your episode and like potentially sell it to um or use it for advertisers like look he they said ponderosa 17 times in this episode Mm -hmm. maybe ponderosa you should sponsor this podcast who who would be who would they take us to a penis factory yeah a vagina mobile Real dolls, <laughs> fleshlights. Yeah. Clive, if you're scared of vaginas, Clive Barker's website. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Clive Barker's Tumblr. <laughs> I thought about that recently because I remember, like, oh, you scrolled that far. Yeah. <laughs> Brought to you by Dixon Cox. <laughs> and balls. And balls. Okay, so. uh but that's not really Candyman. No. Because we meet Candyman. Well, hold on. I have a question for yes. you. So her eye gets super fucked up. Mm-hmm. And then basically you cut to her and Bernadette again. And she's like, hey, I made slides out of your film. Mm-hmm. How much time has passed? I think it's got to be at least days. Because her eye is perfect it's again. It's probably a week. But you get no indication of that. No, there's a scene where Trevor uh, sees her and he's like, how you doing? She's like, yeah, it looks way better, doesn't it? Because it's like bruised. I must have missed that. Yeah. Like In she, my mind, it goes straight from like mm-mm. Jake being like, you said you wouldn't tell anyone to. No, no because like, uh, remember, it's there's a day when he gets home from work and she like is all excited to see him and she's like hanging on him and she's so happy to see him she made him dinner because the, and they flash back to that at the very end of the movie to show how happy they were together yeah and that's where he comments and asks her how her eye is and she said it's almost gone it looks so much better doesn't it okay so i Apparently always missed that i i always took that as there is a gap between these things like yeah. she's she's being the homemaker and trying to make herself feel better by being at home and her friend thinks she's doing something nice but kind of keeps pushing her in this direction mm-hmm. um so she gets the slides developed and things yeah. um and then next we have the parking garage scene yep what are your thoughts on this uh this is the first time when we meet tony todd we see yeah. Candyman. he looks really cool his voice is really cool i don't think everything he says is really cool okay such as like be my victim a little on the nose okay but yeah it's cool looking and sounding Uh, i think this is done really well in that it's very hard to do horror in the daytime and this Mm -hmm. is just a parking garage which are another thing that i think i'm genuinely a little uncomfortable with certainly is parking garages like i I think that's why a lot of things happen in parking garages yeah yeah um but this is just the daytime right which what's the very first rule of anything spooky? It has to be dark mm-hmm. and they don't do that. It's just during the day and he appears and he talks to her. Um, and this is the start of something that I feel 
uh, every time I watch this, which is this huge sexual tension between Tony Todd and Virginia Madsen. Like, it is palpable how much sexual tension there is between these two. Sure. Like, it's this this almost romantic back and forth that they have at times. It's entrancing. He's entrancing her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, like, even, like, it, it goes to a deeper level when she's laying down strapped to the table and he's floating above her. Mm-hmm. Like, that is super sexual when they're face to face. Okay. Um, I think. I I didn't get that much. I mean, she kind of has like a, a tiny little orgasm in the parking garage before she wakes up in mm-hmm. blood. I talked to Bernard Rose, the director of the movie, mm-hmm. like specifically about the sexual tension for a while at the last convention I went to. Mm-hmm. And that was really cool because I just said, you know, uh, I had recently rewatched it. Micropenis Josh came over uh, before and his son hadn't seen it. So mm-hmm. we put in Candyman and I, I just told Bernard Rose like, I picked that up more than I ever had when I watched it and we talked about the sexual tension or whatever. When you watch it with a 12-year-old boy, you pick up on the sexual tension. Yes, more. Uh, which is funny. I was going to bring this up later, but I might as well do it now. There is a scene when she's taking a bath uh, mm-hmm. and she's naked, which, by the way, there's a couple n- sort of nude scenes in this movie, mm-hmm. and I love these nude scenes in that... They are non-sexual at all. Well, I mean, one is supposed to be like low point. It's supposed it is, and it is, you know, it, the coldness of of prison and the it it is sterile and unfeeling. Yes, and that's the point. It's very, I mean, it's no it's no Clockwork Orange in that aspect, but it is. It's effective. It's definitely that. It's yes, effective. It is, it is effective. But also. The, the nudity in that scene is super casual and not, not only is it not sexual, yeah. but it's also not the movies that you see where they try so hard to make sure there's arms covering it and stuff. Right. It's like there is a boob there and I don't give a fuck because that's what's happening. Right. But and this, she is like turned away from the lady and she's like, lift your left breast. She cannot see her left breast. Maybe. I, I will give it that. Okay. I think they were trying to hide. the. Excuse me. That was gross uncooked chicken burp oh god mm. uh numbers uh oh my god anyway so <laughs> i apologize so, for all those noises so uh we're watching this movie with yeah. with micro penises josh's 12 year old son uh and she's like rubbing a sponge on her chest and her boob hangs out and he's like his son goes oh look at that sponge and i paused it and josh and i both just started on him and we're like there's no way you were looking at that sponge why would you think you were obviously just uncomfortable watching this with your dad and you think that saying look at that sponge is gonna exalt you from looking at the boob that is not what you're looking at there's no way that a 12 year old boy is really looking at the sponge i've told you my jerry Maguire story i've told my jerry Maguire story on the podcast right uh probably go ahead um I was at my grandparents' house, and Jerry Maguire was a thing, and they, my grandpa bought every movie back then, and so they were watching it for the first time, and I was there, and unbeknownst to all of us, that movie starts with a sex scene all over the house, and that's kind of the point of it, is, mm-hmm. and so 
I was like, oh, um, we all done with lunch. I will take these into the kitchen. Uh, and then I put them in the kitchen, and I stood in the kitchen until I stopped hearing sex noises. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that. That's a good one, though. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so uh, what murder takes place first on uh, she wakes her up. Di- her... She wakes up in the pool of blood. Yes. Um, she has... Back a, at Cabrini a, Green. Yeah, a knife in her hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and she opens the door and there's the head of a dog in there. Yep. And, uh, Roseanne. Anne Marie. Anne Marie. <laughs> Anne Marie is screaming, where's my baby? Where's my baby? Cause the crib is covered in blood. Yeah. And empty. Yes. There's as much blood as when that rat ate the baby in deadly eyes. Yeah. Sure. Yes. Uh, and then she sees... Virginia Matson with the knife and attacks. Yeah. Totally and, unjustified. <laughs> <laughs> and like beats her head against the ground and yep. and, and she's like, Look, uh stop. I'm gonna stab you and so she cuts her arm. Uh and then the police walk in. Yep. Gets arrested. Yep. Uh she ends up also being accused of murdering her friend. Later, yeah. Yep. After uh, after she uh, gets gets out on bail. Yep. Uh, so obviously, Candyman is stacking some shit against her. Mm-hmm. Um, he Candyman also murders her therapist, psychiatrist. Yeah, she uh, says something she says, along like, those lines. Prove it, and she looks in the mirror and says Candyman five times, and nothing happens. And then he gets gutted from the butt up. Cut up from the butt up. Yep. It's like in Wishmaster Two when. That lawyer has to fuck himself. Sure. Mm-hmm. Or it's like in Ferngully when the Robin Williams bat, Batley, says, I need a checkup from the neck up. I don't get that. Did you not watch Ferngully? I did, but how's that? That uh, From the neck up does not include your anus. No, but he gets cut up from the butt up. Yeah, but that's not the neck. Do you know the difference between the neck and a butt? Do you know what rhyming is? <laughs> No, will you it's, show me? It's like a, it's like a call and response. Oh, okay. Anyway. That is a reference that nobody should get. Nope. Uh, so much so that I'm not even going to ask like you to poetry, explain it. Poetry, it rhymes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Virginia Madsen ends up <clears throat> being able to escape because Tony Todd has killed uh, one of the guys from the mental hospital. Mm-hmm. She goes home. Yep. And you just straight up punched the mic like you were angry at it. Uh, yeah. I thought I was going to cough, so I was pushing it away. And then I just punched it. And laughed instead of coughing. Uh, yeah, she goes home and uh, everything's pink. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Trevor was definitely banging one of his students and has now moved her in. By the way, it's been a month for... Yeah. Um. She just lost a month. So she loses her mind. Mm-hmm. Um, ends up taking off to Cabrini Green. Mm-hmm. Uh, where Candyman is. Yes. And the baby is in the giant bonfire. Well, before we... Okay, before we get to the giant bonfire, the Candyman is, is up there laying on an altar. And then she stabs him with a meat hook. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, mur, 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 mur. 
and then like <laughs> that's picks, not at all what Tony Todd says. Picks her up <laughs> and takes her across the room to a different altar mm-hmm. and lays her down and frenches her with bees. Mm-hmm. It's pretty awesome, right? Uh, the whole time I'm thinking, did he get the job because he said he would eat bees? He did that shit too, man. That was real. Like Virginia Madsen, her mouth was pursed the entire time. She's like, I have bees on my face. They are not getting into my orifices. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, fuck it, give him a mouth. <laughs> there was. There was a mouthful of bees all over, in his mouth and all over his face. Yeah. It's pretty awesome, right? Yeah. Like the shot is awesome. Mm-hmm. And then. If they would do that now, it would just be a billion bees buzzing around of CG. Yeah. Like, uh, what's the Nick Cage remake? The, with the maypole wicker man wicker man so you've seen that no i've only seen that part uh you've seen that part though that sort of sucks i've seen the original wicker man that movie's really? weird and fucked up oh i think i watched that with you i think that's one that we watched up at the lake we might that have and dead alive we might have or it might have just been one i found on cable late night and saw some boobs and was like i'm watching this yeah that sucks that was gonna be one of my don't i would totally watch wicker mm. man i haven't seen it since i was like 12 years old or whatever okay or 18 one of those they're basically <laughs> at 34 years old those are basically the same age it's crazy that they are the same age yeah. but when you're 18 like remember when you were 22 and you knew fucking everything ever yeah yeah uh now you look back and went oh man i saw a thing recently is it's the dumb facebook thing and somebody said like if you could talk to your ninth grade self what would you say or whatever mm-hmm. and somebody wrote uh, everything you think is important isn't. And I was like, holy shit, that's incredible. Yeah. Like, I used to care so much more about things than I do now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. With a passion. Yeah, I, absolutely. Yeah. I knew. Um, So, yeah, she passes out after the bee kiss and wakes up and uh, walks outside and is like, well, Candyman's gone. I guess that's good. And then she hears the baby cry. From inside this giant bonfire thing that Cabrini Green does. Mm-hmm. And then Jake sees her, but he doesn't see her. He only sees the hook. Mm-hmm. He's like, Candyman, I know what to do. Let's set this bitch on fire. Yeah. And he does. Mm-hmm. Burn that Candyman. Yeah. Uh, Candyman burns up and explodes into bees. And she saves the baby and crawls out and uh, is engulfed in flames. And dies. And dies. But she saved the baby. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Like, the... It's weird that they show the inside of the coffin, but okay, whatever. Uh, this is good. This is all right. This is good. Let's end it here. And then uh, they, the all the people from the projects come, and Jake has the hook, the Candyman hook. And he drops it in the grave, and I was like, cool, great ending to this movie. They show the inside of the coffin again for some reason. Weird. Yeah, I, I did like the like the march. So you have all of Cabrini Green coming to her mm-hmm. funeral. Of course, like, cool. of course, they were had to be late to the party, so they were cool. Like yeah. that's definitely in real life, they would have showed up like at the same time, and it would have been awkward, and they would have stayed for the whole thing. Yeah, but no, because it was the movie, they showed up like at the perfect time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the end of the movie. No, it's not. No, that's that. I was about to make a Lord of the Rings reference, but I don't think you've ever seen Lord of the Rings, any of those movies. I think I saw the first one, maybe. It's long. The third one, like, the movie's over, and then it goes on for another 45 minutes. Uh, 
And that, that that's what this felt like. Like, oh, cool, it's over. Uh, there's ten more minutes of this movie. Um, and what are those ten minutes? Uh, Trevor's woman being all, like, pissy. And him taking a shit. And being, like, reminiscing about Helen. Okay, so it's him missing his, his dead ex-wife. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then he says Helen four times in the mirror. Only four. Mm. And she appears and kills him. Mm-hmm. With the hook. Yes. So, I don't disagree. I think it would have been stronger just to end with her there. Mm-hmm. And I, But I understand why they did that. It's and the horror it ends, movie ending. It, and then it cuts to credits. And it zooms in on, like, this picture of her, like, angelic on the wall with a hook scrape in it. Yep. Because she's turned into the new Candyman. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I think that for all of its couple flaws, the couple things that I didn't like, there are two jump scares that I hate in the movie. Uh, one at the very beginning when Trevor jumps out into the bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was bad. I don't like that. And I don't like uh, when... Uh, Virginia Madsen pops her head out of the other room through the medicine cabinet. With Bernadette. Yeah. And Bernadette. I don't like those. But for the tiny flaws that it has, uh, I think that everything else that it has going for it, the urban legend with the fairy tale, the two leads are phenomenal in this movie. I think mm-hmm. Tony Todd and Virginia Madsen do a wonderful job. Uh, the supporting cast is great. Um, the story that it tells, the points that it makes about race and haves and haves nots. Um, I, and I, I feel like this holds up way better than Hellraiser. I liked it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, Hellraiser or Candyman? Candyman. I agree. Candyman. Um, next week? Next week. Next week. I usually don't tell you at a time, but I'm feeling saucy. So this is going to be our post-apocalyptic uh episode oh god are we wa- is there, are we watching another hell comes to frog town we're watching hell comes to grog town three and Grog-town? four hell comes to grog town this, this is not going well for me no nope. i'm trying to it was a tiny picture now my picture's not coming up apparently these are streaming because he's trying to get the, the images off of his phone yeah i am and he got it's a new phone like forth. four months ago and yeah, apparently he still has no idea how it works. Well, okay, this is better. Because Russ is bad with technology. All right, first movie. <laughs> okay. Uh, wow. Okay. So. Not since Dungeon Master has there been such a busy cover. Okay, so this movie is Escape from New York, Mad Max. Star Wars, Indiana Jones, all put together. <laughs> okay, what are you see- what are you seeing to get us to that point? I am seeing a BMX biker with a magical fist and a sword, and a lady BMX biker biker with that has a torch or a barbed wire baseball bat or something. Uh that is blended in with, on one side, Mad Max, but on bicycles. And on the other side, the worst Indiana Jones ripoff. And then towering above all of that is weird Mad Maxian uh, 
uh, metal skull dude with a buzzsaw and uh, old ass snake plickskin. That's what I see. And it's called Turbo Kid. It looks awful. But maybe in the good way. Okay. I'm hoping. Do I just scroll? Nope. I got your other one right here. So that's one. Oh, okay. Movie two. Movie two. Dropped it. (laughs) It's good. (laughs) Off to a great start. The American Horror Film of the Year, according to Todd Brown from Twitch Film. The most dangerous thing is to be alive. This movie is called Stakeland, and it seems to, I'm going to guess that it's, uh, somebody saw Zombieland and decided to make it with vampires. Okay. Uh, cause there's a vampire skull on a stake with, uh, this dude has, he has, uh, a stake in his hand and one on the chest, cool sunglasses behind him is a way bigger than actual car. With a way smaller than actual boy who's also holding a stake. A big tattered American flag in the background. Uh, yeah, I'm. this is 100%. Calling it right now. This is... Somebody saw Zombieland and was like, I can make that a gritty movie with vampires. Take all the fun out of it. Cool. Yeah. Which one are you going to like better? Uh, I really hope Turbo Land because that looked like shit. Turbo. But like in the best land, best Turbo Kid. Sorry, there. I was gonna say, too bad. That yeah, is that's the movie. mashup <laughs> that uh, we're writing later for uh, episode two hundred and fifty. Uh, Turbo Kid meets Stakeland. Yeah, cool. We call it Turbo Land. I like it. Good. Yep, good. I look forward to you doing your homework on that. That's not gonna happen, is it? No. Justin, what else you got for us? No mas baritos. 